Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. I am uh, laughing coming back from a break because the Eagles have been in the news a lot. Um, This may be my uh, favorite one, though. So... We'll play the Craig Carden sound from FS1 in just a second. He says there's a secret reason why the Eagles fell apart. Uh, he didn't really say what the reason was, and I love Craig. Uh, Craig obviously used to be a coworker of ours. Um, but there was some things that you could just assume when you hear the way that Craig says it. But Craig, even though he worked in Philadelphia radio for a bit, and you know now he works for FS1, He's not plugged in on a daily basis with the Philadelphia sports scene. So we'll play that audio in just a second. But the thing that I'm laughing at right now is uh, Derek Gunn. And Derek Gunn is a longtime Philadelphia Eagles reporter. The dude is one of the classiest people you'll ever meet. He is actually a tremendous chef. And he posts videos all the time using the smoker and barbecue and things as well. Derek Gunn just tweeted this out. And I know with the Eagles, everyone's still uh, trying to figure out why they collapsed and why they failed. Because this team was 10-1. and And when you're 10-1 and and you win one lousy stinking game down the stretch, you know, everyone's saying, what happened to this team that was in the Super Bowl last year? And what happened to this team that looked like they were going to go back to the Super Bowl and they can't even beat the Buccaneers in the first round? You lose to the Giants at the end of the season, and you had two close games uh, with the Giants. On the second one, wasn't even close. The Giants blew them out. So there were many moments. Uh, the Cardinals that beat them, too, with Jonathan Gannon. And that was uh, some money I won this NFL season because the spread was 12, 12 and a half. Come on. Jonathan Gannon knows the Eagles. They should have never been a 12, 12 and a half point underdog. I didn't think they were going to win the game outright, but I did uh, hammer that plus 12, 12 and a half line. So here is Gunner, Derek Gunn. According to sources, Jalen Hurts' big contract 
uh, pulled in numerous directions on and off the field, put him under a lot of pressure. He didn't handle well. Here is the line, though, that I find this funny. Big Dom suspended. He controls Sirianni's emotions on the sidelines in his absence. Nick gets in numerous arguments with players and coaches during the games. Is this what we're really doing right now? And this just makes my antenna go up even more that something else happened. So the first part about this tweet is, according to sources, Jalen's big contract pulled in numerous directions on and off the field, put him in, uh, put him under a lot of pressure he didn't handle well. Okay, so Jalen Hurts, right? You just outperformed Mahomes in the Super Bowl. You didn't win the game, but you played better than him. You were the best player on the field in that Super Bowl. You get the big contract. I can't remember, though, Jalen Hurts doing a lot of endorsements. I don't remember a lot of national endorsements for for Jalen Hurts, so maybe it was a lot that were local. But you have this responsibility where for so many years, it seemed like Jalen Hurts, and this is the part that I don't like, Jalen Hurts up until last year it was he ignores the noise, rat poison, all that stuff. He's all ball. He doesn't get caught up in really being a star like how other people do. But is that the reason why this team failed down the stretch? They started 10 and 1. By 10 and 1, he wasn't able to figure out the numerous directions he was being pulled in on and off the field. And how did it impact on the field? Did he not connect with his teammates? And I will say that I've said this before Jalen Hurts doesn't usually show a lot of emotion publicly. Like, I asked him the first question after he punched a ticket to a Super Bowl, and he basically treated it as if it was any other game. And gave you like a five-second answer. But just because that's the way that you publicly portray yourself, that doesn't mean that's necessarily the way that you portray yourself in the locker room. So him getting pulled in numerous directions on and off the field and being put under a lot of pressure that he didn't handle well, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Now, I'm not saying Derek Gunn's not being told these things, but I wonder who the source is. And I don't know how much I buy that's the reason why the Philadelphia Eagles failed. Now, here's the second part. Samter, you've seen a lot of BS in your career, and I wish teams would just own their incompetence and just own their failures instead of just using people as excuses. So Big Dom gets into it. I'm pretty sure it was a Dre Greenlaw of the 49ers, and they had that whole kerfuffle. If we could use the word kerfuffle, I'm always going to use that word if you can't tell No, I think right you're going to have to dump that one. That's, oh, that's yeah. a bad one. Okay. Uh, but they get into that kerfuffle. And then Big Dom gets suspended from the sidelines until the playoff game when he was allowed back on the sidelines. So Derek Gunn, according to a source, was told that Big Dom being suspended was a big factor because he controls Sirianni's emotions on the sideline in his absence. Nick gets in numerous arguments with players and coaches during the games. I I know the inner workings of the Eagles. I know Big Dom to people in that facility He's more than just like the director of team security. He knows where all the bodies are buried. He has all the secrets. He's a big player in the organization. But you're telling me he gets suspended, and that's why the Eagles crapped the bed down the stretch? Because Nick Sirianni couldn't keep his emotions in check without Big Dom? Big Dom couldn't keep Sirianni's emotions in check anymore? And that's why your team sucked down the stretch? Does that just sound as ridiculous 
as it does to me that that's the excuse being used? It sounds ridiculous. However, being around situations where uh, one domino falls and it could set off a yeah. cascade of other dominoes. And the house burns down. Like, for example, we saw, like, A.J. Brown seemed to be discontented, and he had to have that whole press conference just to mm-hmm. talk about how he wasn't, but clearly he had something going on. Maybe, you know, first game, Sirianni says something to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown flips out and then says something to Jalen Hurts. Now the locker room is fractured. Now they get into a fight at practice. Who knows if that was... I'm not saying that that was the yeah. reason, but that may have been the first of many dominoes that fell that may have led to a larger, wider, more uh, expounded kind of conflict among the team. Now, I will say... But it does sound like BS if you just really want to ask the question. Yeah, okay, thank you. I, I wanted to make sure that you were still sane to, in some capacity. I know you tried to uh, just find, right, some way to justify something that was out there. I totally get what you were doing, and, and I understand yeah, what you're saying. you percentage, I would say it's like 5% likely that, okay. that that was a factor. I'm, ju- I'm just making sure that everything, that you're a sane individual still, and you don't just believe everything that you get told, and I'm happy that that's the case. I do get believed everything I'm told. That okay. is for, for sure true. You gotcha. Um, but going off of that, I do remember two instances that were out of character for two people. And one of these people I know very well, and the other one I have great respect for. The one I have great respect for is Devontae Smith. He seems as level-headed as level-headed is. And he's been in a big stage. He's been in big moments before, right? He's won a Heisman. He caught a walk-off touchdown pass in the national championship game to Atunga Vailoa uh, to Devontae Smith up against uh, Georgia. We've seen what he's been able to do, skinny Batman, as they call him, uh, in the NFL so far. He got into it with the coaching staff. That's uncharacteristic of him. Now, Hassan Reddick, I personally know. I knew Hassan Reddick when he was a walk-on at Temple. Um, I got him his first autograph deal when he became professional. I don't usually see Hassan Reddick going at it with the coaches. And even he was going at it with the coaches. And both of that happened in a win the first time they did go up against the Giants. So maybe Big Dom played a factor, but you can't tell me that's why the team collapsed. And the reason why you can't say it is because your head football coach, who really doesn't do much, he doesn't call the plays on offense. He's not a defensive-minded head coach. He had to keep that locker room in order. So you lose Big Dom, who is the director of team security, and right, he counts all the players as they walk into the locker room before they do the big speeches. I've seen it 9,000 times before. He picks the players up from the airport. If anything ever happens, Big Dom is right there, helps the players out. You're telling me, basically, the team babysitter, he gets suspended and can't be on the sideline during game day, so the coach can't even keep his locker room and his sideline in order, and that's all he's asked to do? If anything, you know what, Samter, I actually hope the Big Dom report is true. You want to know why? Because it just shows how in over his head, even with going to the playoffs three years and having this team in a Super Bowl a year ago, how in over his head Nick Sirianni has gotten. And it's amazing that they've been able to have success to some levels with him as the head coach. But if this is now what we're doing, that your quarterback, because he's getting pulled in different directions, couldn't connect with the team anymore, and since the director of team security got pulled away because of something that happened on your sideline, you can't keep order on your sideline? I'll ask what he was asked at his press conference when they brought back Sirianni. Well, then what the heck do you do? What does Nick Sirianni do? You have Belichick out there. You have Vrabel out there. You have Pete Carroll out there. All three of those guys right now would be better equipped to manage an NFL team in 2024 
than Nick Sirianni. Uh, here is Craig Carden on the Carden Show. He says there's a secret reason why the Eagles fell apart this year. Ooh. What do you know about what happened yeah, last season? And why can, won't you tell us? I can tell you that it is a problem that would splinter any group of men. It is a real significant problem. Yeah, I know, and I know what it, it is. It, I cannot, know what it, is. it cannot be fixed. Women. Oh, so, none, none, none I'm not going to say any more than that. But it's women. I know what the problem was. I know they're trying to fix it. Big and I can't don't, fix it. I don't think it can be fixed. So it would be very interesting to see if a high-profile player is no longer with the Eagles going into this season. So that was my first assumption, too. Did someone sleep with someone's girl? Now, the other thing that would be something that would ruin a relationship with men is, let's say it's something financial. And I'll just now, and I know the Cardin report came first, but now with the whole Derek Gunn report, where he said that he was getting, uh, Jalen Hurts getting pulled in many different directions, maybe something happened financially with Jalen Hurts and another player. Maybe Jalen Hurts was to go somewhere with another player, make money off it, and then Jalen Hurts bailed because he got pulled in a different direction. Maybe that's what it was. But either way, none of this should derail a football season. Now, you're sleeping with someone else's girl. That could derail a football season if it's a quarterback and the star wide receiver. But this is ugly for the Eagles. And I know there's not a lot to talk about this time of the year, and that's when sometimes these stories come out. But we still don't know why this team crapped the bed down the stretch. And I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to recover from it. Like, they may make the playoffs next year. You know, they could win a division next year. But I don't think we're going to look at the Eagles and say, okay, they're back to Super Bowl contending form. Um, I was reading Daniel Jeremiah's latest mock draft that he released right before the combine. Caleb Williams, number one overall pick. No surprise. Uh, Drake May, number two overall pick. No surprise. The third pick is not a quarterback. I'll get to that in just a second. But before we do that, let's just circle back because I want to play. I forgot to do this. This is Adam Schefter on the John Kincaid show, a 97.5, the fanatic uh, responding. We'll give you the other side of this to the Craig Carden report that we just played for you. I don't even know if the National Enquirer would write something like that. And by the way, I texted somebody in the organization yesterday. I'm like, what is this? And the, and the text back, the quote was, none of that S word happened. None of that S happened. And, and that, that's what qualifies, you know, as a report. You can just go say whatever you want, and it gets clicks, and people hear about it. Was somebody with another player's woman? or I don't I, Who knows? Who knows? I, I'm just telling you, somebody in the organization, you know, was pretty adamant yesterday. None of that happened. Was somebody sleeping with somebody else's woman? I, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so... Of course the Eagles are going to deny this stuff. I'm not saying that that means it didn't happen. But even if it didn't happen, or even if it did happen, would the Eagles ever admit it? No, they wouldn't. So The thing that caught me was Schefter being like, did it happen? Maybe. Yeah, I don't that know. was the way. Because it seemed like he was denying it the whole way. And then at the end, it was, did someone sleep with someone's woman? That's a pretty big nugget to drop. Uh, Maybe. He didn't like totally rule it out. Did not rule it out. But the source told him none of that S happened. But the source clearly has an agenda. Oh, it's with the team, obviously. Of course, of course. So, geez. This Eagles offseason, I don't know if there's anything that they could do that would make people buy back in on this team.
Like, the only thing that I think would get the Eagle fan excited, and I don't even know if this would be a smart decision because he's injury-prone, is if they pluck Saquon Barkley from the Giants. Because Saquon's not going to be back with the Giants. I would be shocked. Maybe the Cowboys try to do the same. Maybe the Eagles do the same as well. I think that may be the only thing that would bring genuine excitement to this organization because, and this fan base, because they don't need a wide receiver, assuming A.J. Brown's on the team. You have A.J. Brown and you have Devontae Smith. That feels like the big question mark for me. I, I think he's going to be on the team next year. I do. But, and listen, we, we don't know what mm-hmm. really happened. We don't know if it was a plethora of things or yeah. if it was a singular thing. But it did feel like as the season was coming to a close that a lot of the attention was on something going on with A.J. Brown. You know what? It's maybe pa- just discontent. Maybe it was something else. You- I don't know. But if he's gone, I wouldn't be shocked. It felt to me that towards the end, that was kind of him saying goodbye. Now, you could go down the uh, cesspool and the rabbit hole that is Reddit. Like, there's a there's some thread out there that claims that my net worth is $4 million a year. And then there's some other site. It's not even close. You're at least triple that. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's some other site that says I make like $30,000 a year. So not, neither are true. No, that, that's way too low. combined salaries. All I'll say is way <laughs> too low, way too high. But remember this past the summer, there was some speculation about maybe something similar going on with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. It seems like this is just the in-season story of what the Bills were in the offseason playing out with the Philadelphia Eagles. And no one has... Any clue why Stephon Diggs was so mad last offseason and why A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts are so mad during this season? Look what happened with the Bills, though. They played poorly. Then they got back to a spot of competence, and they almost beat the Chiefs, but they didn't get the job done. So, like, for the Eagles next year, I think there's going to be a lot of up and down. Will they at one time be a good team, and you can look at them as a, a solid team, but I don't think they're going uh, to win a Super Bowl or be in the Super Bowl next year. By the way, on Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, we'll take a break. Uh, but it's Caleb Williams one, Drake made two. He had Marvin Harrison Jr. going three. So the Pats passing on a quarterback, taking Marvin Harrison Jr., which I'd be fine with. Then he had Malik Neighbors going four to the Cardinals, Joe Alt going five to the Chargers, Jaden Daniels landing in the uh, Big Apple with the New York Football Giants. We'll react more to that uh, coming up in a few moments. He also had J.J. McCarthy in at number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. Bears end up getting a wide receiver, Roma Dunze. In at number nine. So how about that? There's some nuggets there. We'll react towards it, uh, uh, about it towards the end of the show. Uh, but when we come on back, it is Winkler Wednesdays. The commissioner of the NHL, since uh, he's supposed to join us at 5 p.m. Eastern, and he had to change a little schedule change at 4.20 p.m. Eastern. We said to Bart, hey, can we bump you till 5.20 p.m. Eastern? When Samter first told Bart about this, he was like, well, who am I getting bumped for? And then we told him it was Gary Bettman, and Bart was like, okay, uh, I could understand on that one. So I'm glad that we've been able to continue to have a good relationship with at least the host of the Bart Winkler show on CBS Sports Radio, the great Bart Winkler. He will join us on a Winkler Wednesday on the other side. It's a battle for CBS Sports Radio. Sack. Lethargic, putrid, pathetic quitters. They're quitters. What a joke, Bart. Something fun to talk about? That's that's what we do here. It's like, hey, guys, it's like we're just hanging out at a bar talking sports. It's time for Winkler Wednesday, only on the Zach Gelb Show. That's right, Winkler Wednesday right here on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. And I appreciate one of my favorite people in this business, the great Bart Winkler, for being flexible today. I know he doesn't look flexible 
But Samter asked if we could move him back a little bit because we had the commissioner coming on, uh, Gary Bettman at 4.20 p.m. Eastern, and Bart said, I'm a company guy, and I always will do what's best for the company, and Bart said I could do 5.20 p.m. Eastern. So thank you, Bart. Yeah, I like that you're, uh, like, people care. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyone, like anyone tuned in 40 minutes ago and was like, it's Winkler Wednesday, where is he? <laughs> no one cares, but I, I'm happy to do it. I actually got four DMs. And I oh. had uh, people cursing me out saying I'll never be allowed back at uh, fourth base ever again. And I'll never be able to get steak at, at Carnivore uh, because I pushed back Winkler Wednesday by like 40 minutes or something like that. You know, and if we're going to do uh, some behind the scenes kind of uh, chatter here, I also want to tell you that when you text me each Wednesday about what to talk about, mm -hmm. I don't read. I just hit thumbs up. I don't care what you ask me. So. Oh, that's good. So maybe I'll just start sending you like pictures of Samter and Stu, you know, because they're always I would like best friends. I would prefer that. I would like that better. Okay. You got it. Bart Winkler yeah. here with us. What did you pregame this segment? Just wondering. Did I pregame? Yeah. I Yes, I did. Yeah. It's a whiskey. No, I had nature's endorphins. I oh. went for a walk. <laughs> so puff, puff, pass is what you're telling me. No, 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 oh. no, no. I got to work tonight. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. I don't I don't think that's ever stopped you before. Like, let's be real. You you went to a, a a night of celebration after the Bucks won the finals, and I've seen the photos of you shirtless, uh, drunk as a skunk, getting a few hours of sleep before you did a radio show. Yeah, I did uh, celebrate after the Bucks won a title and then had to do a morning show the next day at 6 a.m. No, I think we went on at 5 a.m. But actually, that's different because that just shows I'm one of the people. Yeah, that is true. You, you are a yeah. you're a man's man. You're you're an everyday. If I man. if I if I drink before a a national show, then I'm just a drunk. Yeah, that that's true. There used to be a saying around here uh, called a hard hat guy. You are the definition of a of a yeah. hard hat guy here at CBS Sports Radio. Bart Winkler here with us. What's been your reaction to this Doc Rivers, J.J. Redick, and now Austin Rivers, uh, Pat Bev beef? Because this one, I have a take on it, but let me hear yours first. Well, I'll tell you, too, uh, as a noted Bucks fan that I am, when they traded for Damian Lillard, I thought, wow, this is going to be such a fun season. Because when they won the title a couple of years ago, and then it, it was kind of just going through the motions the next two years. Okay, get to the playoffs mm -hmm. and then see what happens. And there's been injuries and they've, they, you know, they have not met expectations. So I thought that this year would be another year like that where, okay, they'll win four every five games. They'll make the playoffs. And then that's when the season will start. But they trade for Dame and it's super exciting. This has turned out to be maybe the most excruciating year as a Bucks fan uh, in a long time. And we've, we've had 15 win seasons like every other year for a while, but there's just so much weird drama. And then our, our fans, I'm telling you, if there's anybody that loves the Bucks, it's me. But if there's anybody that hates Bucks fans, it's also me. Uh, these people, for the most part, are children that do not remember when the Bucks were bad. Like, if you started rooting for the Bucks after Giannis got here, don't associate yourself with me. I don't want to hear from you. You don't understand how bad it used to be. So every time, like... Oh, there was a TikTok, and Damian Lillard didn't say Giannis was a top five. Oh, oh, oh. And now you've got all this Doc stuff. And the Doc stuff, I think, is the worst of it all because it's all unforced errors. Well, here's the other he's thing with like, the Doc like, stuff. He seems like – I know he doesn't take accountability. 
that's fine in saying that. J.J. Reddick sure. saying that is fine. J.J. will never, though, slam James Harden or he'll never slam Paul George, who threw Doc under the bus and didn't take accountability for their shortcomings uh, in Philadelphia and then also in Los Angeles. But the the thing with the whole Doc Rivers thing that would make me crazy if I were a Bucks fan is that he just openly said to Sirius XM, oh, well, when they called me and told me they wanted to make me the new head coach of the team, I was like, why? Why would you do this in season? Like, why would you admit that? We've already are past the point where people don't like your hiring, and now it seems like he's panicking because it hasn't got off to a good start, and people are just trashing him nationally and locally. Well, I actually related to that because when they offered me the <laughs> late-night gig, I was like, why are why you, are you doing calling this? me? What? Why are you making this massive mistake? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but with Doc, it's all like he is saying this stuff that he doesn't need to say. Why are you saying any of this? He is volunteering this information. Yeah, he had a road trip, and it was hard, and you're trying to get used. Like, if you're three and seven with a new team, no matter who's on the team, you're going to be like, people are going to say, okay, you know, yeah. they're, they're getting their legs under them, no big deal. But he's coming out and saying, why am I here? What do you want me for? This is really hard. Like Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers has been in the game for a long time, and he's an easy target because he's been in the game for and a long time. A lot. He's a lot of high, um, well-known failures. So for him to then volunteer this information, it's just Stupid. it's really weird. It's like there's already a target and there's already a bullseye, and he's just he's being like, did everybody get their shot? Did you did you get your shot at me here? I'll tell you something that makes me even look worse. And then you can, t it just doesn't make any sense. He is the head coach of a team with Dame and Giannis. What are you complaining about? So now back to the JJ part. I thought JJ, and I can't stand JJ Redick. I thought he initially won, but then today he just totally ruined it where he's like, oh, I'll go break down basketball things and it will only get 54,000 views on YouTube. But then I come and say on ESPN's first take, right? The number one show something about Doc Rivers slamming him, and I can't believe how many more views it did. Like, no crap. The, my problem with J.J. Redick, I just think he's the definition of pretentious, and he just comes off as I'm above the fans and I'm greater than the fans, and I talk a different language because I played a game. He just annoys me. And can he please, can he get on first take one time, and can he just smile? Like, you don't need the money. You don't need to be doing this. Just smile one time. He looks so angry. I can't stand the dude. And now the fact that Doc Rivers is coaching the Bucks, it means he's going to be in the broadcast booth with Mike Breen for all the big playoff games in the NBA Finals. And I'm going to want to just punch my TV set because J.J. Reddick's going to be on it. He is benefiting from this he's Doc Rivers He's a douche. Thing. That's what he is, Bart. He's a douche. Well, I won't, I won't go that far. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make any enemies. Mm. Uh, other than I've already made. I've Trust made enough me, enemies. JJ Redick already hates you. You don't even know it. I, I don't know. If no, you're anyone. probably right. He hated his time in Milwaukee. <laughs> he was in Milwaukee for like six weeks, and it was like the worst time in his life. Because all all these people come to Milwaukee, and they just like, yeah, Milwaukee sucks. If you're a pro basketball player and you live in your hotel yeah. and never explore the city, I and love it's Milwaukee. the month of February where it's cold. But also, newsflash, winter's already over in Milwaukee. It's 60 degrees today. Oh, is it really? Yeah, Milwaukee's like the Great Lakes region. Yeah, once climate change, now that climate change is here and has completely changed everybody's uh, 
everybody's weather patterns. Milwaukee's like a place to be. We're it's 60. It's going to be 70 next week. Now, how about that? I'm going to Orlando uh, tomorrow. It's it's not supposed to be 70. So maybe I should have made the vacation uh, spot to uh, Milwaukee. Bart Winkler here with us. Wrap it up, Winkler Wednesday. So the college football playoff, they finalized the format where we knew it was going at 12. Now with the uh, Pac-12 basically going away, it's going to be five automatic bids to the highest-ranked conference champs, and then the other seven will make up the 12-team college football playoff. You have the incompetent Big Ten commissioner, Tony Petiti. According to Dennis Dodd, he's going to be advocating to eventually move this to 16 um, because I think this only guaranteed the 12-team format for two years, and then maybe it will expand after that. I hate going to 12, and I hate going to 16 eventually even more. Where are you at with the college football playoff expansion? You're running college football. What would you have expanded it to? I like 12. I think 12, I want to see a year of 12. I think it is going to make the regular season better, which is the main complaint from a lot of people because when you have four teams, every regular season game matters, right? But not really. The game that I keep thinking of, it was like week 10 or 11 of the college football season this year, and it was that CBS 330, the big game, the big SEC game, right? And it was a, it was a big game. No one cared about it. It was number 12, Missouri, and number 13, Tennessee. Nobody cared. Those kind of games will have more importance under this new format. Yeah, but here's the, the – 12 too much because I think it does water down the regular season. Like what you're saying, I totally I, disagree I, And with. this is like you – everybody that thinks that way, I'm telling you – But Bart – Come back in a year and you will like it. I promise. What What about six? What about eight? I, I thought that – like I'm, I understand if we had to expand this – but to go from four to 12 is too drastic of a jump. And then we're already talking about two years from now, this being 16. That just seems like too many. That's too much. Now, like Michigan and Ohio State, uh, that, you know, I know that always means something, but when it's winning, you're in, that's awesome. So if you get to six or eight, there's still some insurance. I just think it gives too much insurance where, you know, a team like Penn State, who had no right being in the playoff this year, would have got in the playoff if they had this new uh, format uh, a season ago. Well, you're going to play for a bye uh, in that game. I know everyone likes to bring Fair. up that game, but you'll be playing for a bye. Good point. Uh, I agree 16's too much. I think four was too little, which the dumbest thing that college football ever did was have five power conferences get together and say, <laughs> you know, four's good. Can you guys not count? You're gonna you're gonna miss one of your your uh, conferences every year. That was stupid. But I do think like I think this will be better. I think the buy part of it is gonna be good. Also, conference championship weekends are gonna mean more because I'm telling you, I think the ACC and Big Twelve might be one bid leagues. I think a lot of these at larges are coming from the Big Ten and then the Big uh, or the SEC. Look yeah. at the Big Ten. Michigan this year has Texas. USC, Ohio State, and Oregon all on their schedule. Like, are they gonna are they even gonna make the playoff? But if they go nine and three, they'll get an at large bid over a eleven and one like the the Florida four State. loss Big Ten SEC team against like the two loss ACC Big Twelve team is gonna be the argument. And in this Dennis Dodd article, they already talked about how we all know that even though there's four power conferences, the two people that are sitting at the head of the table in the same seat are the SEC and the Big Ten, and they're going to want automatic bids in the future, like automatic spots, not just, oh, the conference champion gets in. So, yeah, in all likelihood, no, it's, it's going to be filled those. with Big Ten and SEC. 
they won't need those. It'll already be uh, heavily weighted to the Big Ten and SEC. I think that this year is going to be enjoyable, whether it's the perfect way to do it. You know, we can debate about that, but I don't like that they're already thinking of ways to change it when we haven't even seen what this is. So I would mm-hmm. I, I would implore everybody, give this year a shot. I'm very much looking forward to it. And that's why six or eight would have been better because you know they're greedy. You know money's always going to win. And when you go from the drastic jump of four to 12, they're just going to keep on expanding, expanding this thing. And I just would have liked to have hold off a little bit on the crazy numbers that we're talking about. But then still, there's 133 teams. There's only still like 5% of the teams making it. Yeah, but so many of these teams don't matter. Like, and I understand people who say, but that's my point. Like, I went to Temple University. I was at Temple when they had their best, like, three or four stretch for college football. Uh, When they won their conference, they didn't get a New Year's Six invite because there was another school uh, that was better. Like, years later now in the NIL era, if you're not in the, the four best conferences... Like, you really don't have that much of a leg to stand on outside of uh, Notre Dame or uh, you end up being one of these schools like a Cincinnati that that finally gets into the system or, or something like that. So I think there's so many schools that are participating that they're kind of, unfortunately, I hate to say this because my alma mater, it's like it feels like they're a waste of a program now in this new name, image, and likeness and, and transfer portal era because you can't really develop talent anymore because the moment you develop someone that looks like they're going to be good, they hit the transfer portal and they get paid a, a, a tremendous amount of money. What do you think the uh, new Pac-12 commissioner is going to do day to day? She's going <laughs> to sit in her office and play solitaire? Like, what kind of job is that? Yeah. You're managing, like, basically two schools. It was like you when you didn't have a job uh, until they brought you back here at CBS Sports Radio. She's going to start a podcast from her basement? <laughs> yeah, with the piano in the background. What happened to the piano, Bart? Oh, I had to sell it. I had to, uh, we were on tough times. Okay, you got it. Here he is, uh, Bart Winkler right there. Uh, make sure you catch him tonight, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. And you're filling in for me on Friday, right? Uh, right here on, on the show, right? I get that information correct? Hey, news to me, but I'll be there. <laughs> okay. Maybe you should text your uh, check your text messages once in a while and actually read them. So there he is, Bart Winkler. Winkler Wednesday is always fun here on CBS Sports Radio. And there is someone that cared that we moved the time back of Bart. E. Mueller on Twitter. Tweeted to me. I cared. Bart Winkler show at Zach Gelb. We'll come on back. We'll do a little uh, mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah. And uh, we'll also play you something from Kevin Durant, which I just find funny. Update time first. Here is Rich Ackerman. It's time to answer our Ask the Pros question of the day. And it's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Chris in Alabama. You know what? Can we change this guy's name? I'm going to change his name. Let's just go Chuck at Alabama. Do you think Kevin Durant is a leader? The reason why I wanted to change that to uh, Chuck is because the great Charles Barkley once said that Kevin Durant is the uh, passenger on the bus. He's a bus rider, not a uh, bus driver. You can submit a question by tweeting at CBS Sports Radio or at Zach Gelb using the hashtag Ask the Pros. You can think about the auto parts for all your car care needs, get guaranteed low prices, and excellent customer service from the professional parts people. At O'Reilly Auto Parts. Let me play you Kevin Durant on the boardroom slash bleacher report when asked if he is a leader. Why do you think people in the media think you're not a good leader? I'm not as charismatic as my peers. I don't have a personality that's like fit for TV. And a lot of those stories of what we talk about don't get spoken about in the media. You gotta sell what you're doing as well. And I haven't sold it enough. 
I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I want people to call me a leader, but I also don't want people to say I'm not one either because they don't see what goes on behind the scenes or what I talk about or my intentions. But when guys like that say that, I just got to chalk it up to them just not being aware, push a narrative for myself, expose the truth on how great of a leader I am. I don't feel like it's necessary. I just chalk it up to those guys not being aware of who I am. It's like it's almost as if it's a greater power of thinking. Like we can't be aware that Kevin Durant isn't a leader. And how dare we say that? The guy isn't a leader. All right. In OKC, you could say he was a leader. Then he made the decision. He wanted to be a villain. I was fine with it. I didn't freak out like others. He had that right. He goes to Golden State. But then he was sensitive to the criticism. So he says, I want to be the leader in Brooklyn. He picked Kyrie Irving. Real leadership would have been saying to Kyrie Irving, you're rooting what we're doing here. He didn't have the guts to do that. And then he demanded a trade and eventually through time got traded to the Suns. Who the Suns don't appear to be like they're going to be a great team uh, this year with how it's playing out. Like, I, I don't see, you could be a great player and not be a great leader. Kevin Durant is an all-time great player. But there's no way that you could say he's a great leader. Because if he was a great leader, he would have found a way to rectify the situation between James Harden and Kyrie Irving. He couldn't. And James Harden, say what you want about it, I've been extremely critical of James Harden. He was actually right to get out of there because he knew Kyrie Irving wasn't going to work. That was the moment where Kevin Durant needed to say to Kyrie, we're going to pick James over you. So you either get along with James or you're going to get traded from this team. But when he has run the team and he ran the team in Brooklyn, they were an unmitigated disaster. Outside of his foot, which he had great toughness, Outside of his foot being on the line, which prevented the three-pointer, made it a two-pointer, outside of that little run, there was nothing ever positive, and they ended up losing that series anyway. But there was nothing positive, really, with Kevin Durant with the Brooklyn Nets. Samter, can you say that Kevin Durant's a good leader? Like, great player, but I can't call this guy a good leader. I mean, I, on the outside looking in, you're right, no. It doesn't seem like he's a good leader. Mm -hmm. However, guys lead in different ways, right? There are vocal leaders. There are leaders on the court. And then there's just, like, leaders who just kind of, like, they know how their locker room behaves, and they just work the locker room the right way. Mm -hmm. He's been on winning teams. He's been on championship teams. Uh, obviously, the Warriors were a set roster before he got there. But, I mean, the Thunder were good when they were young. Yeah. He's always had winning teams. There's always, you know, there always seems to be like an injury or some other issue. But like, uh, how? Can but you, you know what screwed him? How hard is it to be? How easy to be a leader when Kyrie Irving's on your team? But here's like the thing: everything. Who picked Kyrie Irving? Yeah, it but, was him. But that doesn't diminish him being a leader. It just kind of diminishes his decision making okay, ability so as far as like a GM. You will agree though that was his team in Brooklyn, right? Oh yeah. So he could have said when Kyrie was doing all of his crap, "Knock it off," or "We're yeah. going to get rid of you." And since he didn't do that, James Harden, who was actually in the right, and you got to remember, uh, there's a lot to criticize James Harden about. He did everything that Kyrie wanted when he first got there. He said, okay, Kyrie, you want to shoot more? I'll play the point guard role. I'll dish you the basketball. That's fine. There were people were talking about uh, James Harden for a little bit being the MVP of that team, uh, just to uh, refresh some people's memory. But him just being afraid to speak up publicly and behind the scenes just letting this continue to just go and go and go 
is a bad leader. Now, don't get me wrong. There's different forms of leadership. In terms of I'll put the team on my back, I'll carry us and play through injury, can't question him there. But in terms of connecting with the other teammates and having to be uncomfortable and doing something when you'll get some pushback from your friend in Kyrie, he didn't have the cojones to do that. And fair or not, Durant turned into a villain in the sport. And I said this all the time, should have never left Golden State. He should have just embraced, I'll go win two or three more championships, I'll give the middle finger to everybody, and you can't keep on discrediting my titles if I keep on winning. But him leaving and then failing in Brooklyn and not looking like he's going to win a championship with the Suns gives everyone a leg to stand on and say, see, Charles Barkley was right. You're really, even though you're an all-time great player, you are not the driver of the bus. You're a passenger of the And the bus. fact that the Warriors won a title before him and after yeah. him, right? Had they not won a title after he left, maybe... You know, you can still make that argument. But the fact also that Steph and Clay and the rest of the Warriors chose Draymond, basically, mm -hmm. over KD is another example. I don't know if that's an example of leadership or just an example maybe of how he doesn't connect with his teammates as well. But uh, he does definitely seem to have deficiencies in that area. So let's just say the NFL draft real quickly. Let's just say it stays and there's no trades inside the top 10, which is a tough parameter. Uh, Bears at one, Commanders two, Patriots three, Cardinals four, Chargers five, Giants six, Tennessee seven, Atlanta eight, Chicago nine, the Jets ten. That's the top ten order right now. <sighs> J.J. McCarthy, just give me a yes or no around the room. Not should, because I don't think he should be a top ten pick. But will he be a top ten pick? Because Daniel Jeremiah is pretty good with these things. He is predicting him right now to be the eighth overall pick of the Atlanta Falcons. Stu, yes or no, will J.J. McCarthy be a top 10 pick? Will not be a top 10 pick. Samter? Agreed. No. Yeah, I, I'm. we're all in on J.J. McCarthy not being a top 10 pick. But there, Daniel Jeremiah has him at eight. Well, I think part of it is, like, if if the three guys go one, two, three as expected. Which he doesn't have in this draft. Right. So that impacts things. But if, if you have those three guys go one, two, three, the Giants, the Titans, and the Falcons all could. If the Falcons don't get Fields or Cousins, they're drafting a quarterback. Tennessee won't, though, because of Will Levis. They have too many other needs, and Will Levis showed enough that he should be the guy. Maybe. Now, the if Giants, one of those guys in the top three falls to seven, maybe it changes it, but I'd be surprised if Tennessee takes a And you a can see a team like the Raiders or Denver moving up into the top ten if they really like J.J. to try to get him. So, I don't think so, but I could see it. <laughs> I think you just ended still. Oh Stu God. gave you the dirtiest look when that happened. Oh, you were on camera for that. Good. I was, yeah. I, I don't I, know if it, if it picked it up, but Stu gave you the hardest eye roll right there when you said J.J. McCarthy to the Raiders. Uh, You're a troll. You become a troll. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, look at that Chiefs hat behind you. Go Chiefs Kingdom, baby. Yeah, even the commissioner said we got to get rid of that Chiefs hat. So that's what we'll do. And you haven't got your tramp stamp yet of Mike Pinnell. So until you do that, you can't root for the Chiefs. Um. Anyway. I'd be fine if Marvin Harrison Jr. is the pick for the Patriots at three. I think it's going to end up being Jaden Daniels. I don't think McCarthy will go in the top ten. All righty. I am off the next two days. Big thanks to everyone today. Gary Bettman, Dwight Freedy, Bart Winkler, and Greg McDermott. We'll talk to you all on Monday. We out. Bye-bye. Peace. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 